Bibles, please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. And if you're, you have your bulletin, the outline of the message is in page 10 and 11. If you want to follow along and take notes, I think it would be helpful to you. This morning, in this message, I'm going to preach entitled, Confessing Sin, Receiving Mercy. Confessing our sins and receiving the mercy of God. Now, there are a lot of Proverbs that are repeated throughout the book of Proverbs. But this particular proverb we're going to look at this morning is totally unique in the book of Proverbs. There's not another proverb that's like it. Although the theme of this proverb is an important theme of the Bible, which is confession of our sin, there's no other proverb like this. So it's very unusual. And it is, as I say here, a unique proverb, a compelling proverb. And what we really need in this proverb, it tells us at the end. So let's read it together. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Can you read it with me? It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We need mercy. We need the mercy of God. We need this love of Jesus Christ. This is the deep love of God. And he says here, we we receive that mercy and have mercy when we confess and forsake our sins. Upon confessing them, we forsake them and we will receive mercy. So this is what we desperately need. Let's pray. Yes, God, I pray now that You would allow our hearts to be focused on Your Word, and on the the truth of Your eternal Scripture. Thank You that Thy Word is truth. We believe the Bible. We believe in every line, every jot, every tittle, every command, every promise, every prophecy. Thy Word is truth. And we thank You for the Bible that it's forever settled in heaven. And now we pray that You would speak to our hearts, O God, because this is not man's Word. This is Your Word. So we ask You to speak, O God, and that we would be as Samuel to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. So again, this proverb is very important. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So we're really met with a decision all of us have to make because all of us have to deal with sin in our own lives. And what we do with it is absolutely vitally important, what we do with the sin that comes into our life. So let's just ask a few questions as I begin. What do you do with your sin? Not what you should do, but what do you do with it? How do you deal with it? How do you handle sin? Sinful thoughts, actions, words, deeds. And then how do you handle guilt when you do something that you know you should not have done? How do you, how do you deal with that guilt? How do you process it? Do you, do you live with guilt? Do you, do you constantly have guilt? Should you have guilt? Is there a way to overcome guilt? What is confessing our sins? How do you confess your sins? What if you confess your sin and you still feel guilty? Then what? What do you do? If you confess your sin, should you feel guilty? These are just a few questions. Should you confess your sins to a priest? I want to talk about that actually for a few moments. That's an important subject. Should you go to a religious person when you have sinned in some way? Should you confess that particular sin to a priest or another religious person? And how do you forsake that sin once you confess it? And how can you really be sure that the sin is forgiven by just confessing it? 
Are you sure about that? So these are just a, a few very important questions. And what I want us to get from this message this morning is this. Really three main goals that I have. One, I want all of us to know how to genuinely confess our sins. Because that's very important if we're going to grow in our Christian life. And two, once we confess the sin, I want all of us to have the real assurance of forgiveness of sin. And that's very important that we have that assurance, that we don't live with guilt. And then number three, I want us to, once you confess that sin, that we go forward and grow in Christ-likeness. In other words, that we forsake that sin and then that we grow to be more like Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at five different areas and if you look at your outline, you'll see it's, I have an unbalanced outline. Okay? In other words, point number four is the longer of, of the points today. So I have five things. I will, take a few more, I will take a little more time on that fourth point when we get to it. And some of these things you know well, like this first point. So we're going to talk about confessing sin, receiving mercy. The first thing we have to understand is the Bible says what? What does the Bible say? All of us have... Sin. Now, even this verse, it teaches that. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So, all of us have sins. Some people will cover them, other people will confess them, but all people have them. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the clear message of the Bible. That all of us have done evil in the sight of the Lord. We're surely all sinners. Because if, if there was no sin, if we're not sinners, why do we have locks on our doors? <laughs> why do we have lawyers? If there was no sin, we, would, you know, we wouldn't need a lawyer. If, if there's no sin, we wouldn't need cops and we wouldn't need courts. We wouldn't need police officers because nobody would do anything wrong and we wouldn't need courts. If there was no sin, you would, have, you would never hear about injustice. If there was no sin, you would never hear oppression. If there was no sin, you would never hear about corruption or greed and big business, corruption and politics. No, we hear about all these things because sin is a fact of life. Now, some people say, oh, you Christians are obsessed with talking about sin. <laughs> well, we're not obsessed with it. It's, a, it's the reality of this world. And you know why we like to talk about sin, though, in the sense? Because this, church is one place where you can actually go and have an honest conversation about sin, for one. And number two, we have the solution for sin. His name is Jesus Christ. And we'll, we'll see Him. So let's just talk about all of us have sinned. Now, go to 1 John chapter 1, if you have your Bible. If you don't, I have the verse up on the screen. So sin is when we break God's law. Sin is when we do something that God says, don't, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery. And you do that, that's sin. So God is the one who defines sin. Man doesn't define sin. If I say it's a sin to put a piece of paper on the stair, that's what I said, but that's not what God says. So I don't define what sin is. God defines what sin is because He's the, our Creator and He's a moral God. He is holy. So when we do what God says don't, or if we don't do what God says to do, that's a sin. So those two kinds of sins are what? Sins of omission, sins of commission. When I don't do what God says do, that's a sin of omission. When I do what God says don't, oh, that's a sin of omission or commission. Now, 1 John chapter 1 says, if you deny this, if you deny sin, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, notice what, the, what John says there, the first three words I like. He says, if we say that we have no sin. And the, the idea there is if we say that, that we are not sinners by nature, that there is not indwelling sin in us. If I say this, I'm going to live in what? Denial. He says, because it's not true. I'm going to deceive myself. I'm going to live in self-deception. So if you say, I'm not a sinner. I've never done anything wrong. You're deceived. Because all of us have sinned. God says we have sinned. 
So don't say, I have no indwelling sin. The second thing is, in 1 John 1.10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Now, the difference between verse 10, where he says, if we say that we have not sinned, that's speaking about a specific action of sin. In other words, if you say that you have never committed any act of sin, like I said, if I were to say to you, have you ever lied or stolen or taken God's name in vain? or gone through the list of them, or lusted in your heart, or coveted something, and you said, no, I've never done any. Have you ever set up any gods other than the one true God? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? You said, oh, I'm, I'm without any sin. I've never committed an act of sin. So verse 10 is dealing with the actions of sin. Verse 8 is dealing with the nature of sin within us. So if we deny our sin nature, indwelling sin, we live in denial... But if we deny committing acts of sin, it's, to me, it's, it's going to an even more evil type of place because you call God a what? A, a liar, a deceiver. We make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So, have you ever committed an act of sin? If you say, no, I never have, you just call God a liar. And I don't think that's a good place to be. Are you ready to call God a deceiver? So, the message today is we must confess our sins and receive His mercy. And this verse te- these verses tell us, encourage us, because we have sinned, all have sinned, therefore we need to confess our sins to receive His mercy. And what's the middle verse between, I don't have it on the screen, but we did verse 8 and we did verse 10. What's the middle verse there? A verse most of us know. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is a forgiving God. So, all of us have sin. We've committed acts of sin. And we have indwelling sin. So, if we confess our sin, He will cleanse us from all sin. The second thing we want to see, not only are all of us Sinners, but all of us are guilty before God. Now, we all know what guilt is. It's that inner feeling of where you just feel bad and you're under conviction. And the reason we experience guilt, you know why we experience guilt? It's because God made you. There's a Creator. And He's given you a conscience And your conscience has a sense of right and wrong built into it by our Creator. So when you do something that you know is wrong, you have that sense, I've done wrong. And go to Psalm 32, please. Because this psalm was written by David after he committed a terrible sin of adultery and Many Christians are familiar with the sin of David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then he covered up that sin. You know, sometimes, as they say in politics, the cover-up is often worse than the crime. And not minimizing the awful adultery with Bathsheba, but then he went and he killed Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to cover up his sin. So, it was a terrible thing that David did, but again, thank God we have a forgiving God. And David, this, David wrote this psalm of confession after this sin. And he experiences the deliverance from the guilt. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 32. The first word is what of Psalm 32? Blessed, which means happy. Happy, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. God covers our sins when we confess our sins, is what we see in this passage. And then what's the first word of verse 2? Blessed again, the same word, happy. So there's a double happiness. And here he says, "Happy, happy is the man unto whom the Lord 
imputeth not iniquity. That is, that he, he, he does not put the sin on your record, on your account. He, he takes it off of your record. He takes it off of your account. And in whose spirit is no guile. And then David says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. So when he kept silence, he, he didn't confess his sin. What was he doing? Covering his sin. And so when he covered his sin, he wasn't happy. And then verse, and, and so then in verse four he says, day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. That's the guilt. Guilt is when the hand of God is upon you and your joy is taken away. Your energy is gone. And it, it, you just can't get what you've done out of your mind and you, and you know you did wrong, but you don't know how to make it right. And so he says, day and night the hand of God was upon him. And he says, my moisture has turned into the drought of summer. He just felt dried up. He had no energy or strength. But look, look at verse 5 and read it with me now. Verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So you see that, that, that word, not hid? Those two words in verse 5? Mine iniquity have I not hid. That's the same word as covered in verse 1. So here's our choice. To either cover our sin or to uncover it. To either cover it up or to confess it. And David says, when I uncovered my sins to God, He covered it with His love and with His precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in one place that the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. So all of us are guilty. And again, these verses speak, and those two words in verse 1 and 5 are the same word in the original language. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And so David says, when I uncovered my sin... God forgave our iniquity. So, here's the beautiful thing, beloved. When you uncover your sin before God and confess it, He will cover your sin in, under the blood of Jesus Christ, under the blood of His dear Son. So, sin, you know what sin does? It, it does bring that guilt. Here's another way to look at guilt. Guilt is like an inner turmoil of the soul. Guilt is a, kind, is a kind of a spiritual imprisonment. And it's when you, you cover sin, it's when you bottle it in, and the joy of the Lord is gone. God does not want us to live with that guilt, and there's deliverance from that guilt. So, the message again today is confessing sin and receiving His mercy. Confess your sin forsake it, you'll receive mercy. And we need to do that because all of us are sinners and all of us are guilty. The third thing is all of us need forgiveness. This proverb teaches us and tells us that there's sin upon us. We know we have to do something with it. Some cover it. Some confess it. We're, we feel a sense of guilt about it. And all, because of that, we all need forgiveness. All of us need forgiveness. Not one of us here doesn't need to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. All of us need forgiveness. Now, that's a beautiful word. I forgive you. Forgiveness. This is a picture of Jesus forgiving that woman who was brought to Him, taken in adultery. And Jesus forgave her. In the New Testament, this word forgiveness, when I looked up this word and did a brief search about it, I saw that it's trans this word, English word forgiveness is also translated in these different ways in our English, in our English Bible. Remission. So in, in your King James Bible, if you read the word remission, that's forgiveness. Or it, even sometimes deliverance and liberty, not all the time, but... In the, the, this verse in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, the word actually deliverance 
is the same word for forgiveness. So that gives you a good synonym for forgiveness. What is it be, to be forgiven? It's to be what? Delivered. And the, and the last word is liberty. So to be forgiven. What is it to be forgiven? It's to be set free. It's to have freedom. So forgiveness is a beautiful word. And here are the verses. If you could read them with me. Colossians 1.14, it says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." Now, how come forgiveness is through His blood? How come forgiveness is through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross? Because what's the penalty of our sin? Is death. So what did Jesus do for you and for you and you and me? He died on the cross. And when He died, He spilled out the life of His flesh, which is His blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So when Jesus shed His blood for you, He gave His life for you. And that's why it says through His blood we have the forgiveness of sins. He gave His life. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, His death pays for the death you deserve. All of us, because of our sin, deserve death. But Jesus Christ died in our place so we don't have to die. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven because He took your sins in His body when He died on the cross. But if you reject Jesus Christ, what will happen? You will die for your sins. But we have redemption. That is, we have been brought out of slavery. We have been redeemed. We have been set free. And we have the forgiveness of sins. And that's what Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 18. Can you read that verse with me? It says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So those two words, deliverance and liberty, I I thought that was interesting, are the same word, forgiveness. So, two of the things that Jesus said He came to do, two of the things, this was His very first sermon, by the way, that He gave in Luke chapter 4 in His hometown of Nazareth, the very first public address of Jesus in the Bible, two of the things He said He came to do centers in or focuses in upon forgiveness. He wants to forgive. Thank God we have a forgiving Savior who wants to cleanse us of our sins. He came to deliver the captives, the ones who were, who were bound by sin. He came to set at liberty those who were bruised by the sin of this world. And the last verse there, Luke 24, 47, this, is, this was really the Great Commission verse. In other words, Jesus had risen again, and He's going to go to heaven. Before He goes to heaven, He tells His disciples, go out and do this. He says, and that repentance and Remission, forgiveness, deliverance, liberty from sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And that's what I'm doing here today. I'm doing what Jesus told us to do. (laughs) To go out and preach deliverance and forgiveness, remission of sins in His name. You cannot stand before God in your own sin and be accepted by Him into His heavens. You cannot... Deal with your sins all by yourself. You must go to God with your sins through Jesus Christ. And He will forgive you because He died on the cross and shed His blood. And He didn't stay dead, of course. He rose again from the dead. Which shows that He breaks the power of all sin. So all of us need forgiveness. And so the message today is confessing sin and receiving mercy. We need forgiveness. So confess your sins and you'll receive mercy and you'll experience the joy of deliverance and liberty, forgiveness of sins. The third third thing, well, I'm all the way up to the fourth thing. This is the long one. You ready? (laughs) 
All of us will do something regarding our sin. All of us will do something. You cannot do something wrong and nothing happens. Something, you're going to do something with that sin. That's the point. You cannot be neutral towards sin. So again, going back to our proverb today, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So the two main things we see here is that some cover their sin. So I want to just look at a few strategies people use. When I say cover their sin, what do we mean? Well, the Bible tells us about people who covered their sin, doesn't it? And I won't look at all of them, but a few of them, and we're familiar with some of these also, for those of you who have known the Lord for a while. The first strategy was by Adam and Eve, the very first sinners. When Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit, and Eve took it and ate and gave it to Adam, and he was like, duh, okay. You know, and Adam fell into sin, and the human race was plunged into sin. And all of us sinned in Adam. So what were Adam and Eve's response? Was their response, oh no! We did what God says don't do. Let's go confess it to the Lord right away. Is that, was that, their, is that what they said? What did they do? They said, we got to clean ourselves up. we got to make ourselves look nice. we got to put some clothes on, for one. we got to be respectable. So they sowed fig leaves. By the way, I have now a fig tree growing in my backyard. Compliments of Pastor Carmine. And fig leaves are very big. <laughs> They're very large fig leaves. They're very large. So they made a good choice if they were going to use a leaf to try to get themselves covered. But some people with their sin upon sinning, rather than confessing it, they cover it up by hiding and then by blaming others. So that's what, they, that's what the fig leaves stand for. The, the man-made fig leaves speak of Adam and Eve trying to take a respectable look. I don't want people to know what I've done. I want, I want to look respectable here. And so I'm going to get some nice clothes. I'm going to drive a nice car. I'm going to make sure I have a good education. I'll get a, I'll get a nice job, make some money. So I look nice on the outside. But you're covering up what's on the inside as God sees you. We like to lie to ourselves and say, I'm not that bad. But God says, for all have sinned. And then, of course, Adam and Eve, when finally confronted with the Lord, because the Lord will come after you in His love. He will come after you. He will pursue you. And what did Adam say when God says, God said to Adam, Adam, what did you do? Did Adam say, I'm so sorry, Lord. I ate of that tree that I should not have eaten of. Would you please forgive me? Is that what Adam said? No, he said what? He says, that woman you gave me. It's all her fault, you know. <laughs> So he blames, hiding and blaming. Okay, that's the first strategy. The second strategy, you don't have to go far to find another one, is, is lying. Cain. Cain kills his brother. And God comes to Cain and he says to Cain, after he killed his brother, Cain, where's your brother? Now, did Cain know exactly where his brother is? His brother's dead. His brother can't move. Dead men don't move. Cain knew exactly where he killed his brother, and his brother was laying there in his blood, and the blood of Abel was crying out to God from the ground. And God says, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. You go find him yourself. So that's a flat-out lie. And then God put a curse upon Cain, and he says, you're going to be a vagabond on the earth. And Cain said, <laughs> that's not fair. It's not right. You're not fair, God. You know, he's complaining to God. So that's a strategy people use to like, to justify God isn't nice. God isn't good. God isn't loving. He's not fair. I'm going to do my own thing. That's Cain. A lot of people live like that in our city. They lie to God and complain about him. That's another strategy people use. Hiding and blaming like Adam, lying and complaining like Cain. A third strategy, and I referred to him earlier, who is this? This is who? Who's the prophet? Nathan. And I'm, I'm cutting out a lot of good stuff here, but just for the sake of time. Nathan came to David and he painted a story about 
an unjust situation. And David said, that man ought to die for what he did. And Nathan said, I was talking about you. (laughs) David condemned himself. You're the man. Thou art the man, Nathan said to David. And as we read those verses earlier, remember when we read from Psalm 32, David said, when I kept, what was that word? When I kept, what? Silence. My bones waxed old. So he didn't confess his sin. He just kept it quiet. He tried to bury it. That's what people do with their sins many times. They bury it and they pretend everything's fine. (laughs) I didn't do anything wrong. I I just committed adultery, destroyed a marriage. And I killed the killed man to cover it up, but huh, everything's good. How you doing? How you doing, David? Oh, I'm fine, man. Just, just, just doing good. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah. God is good. All the time, you know. <laughs> and he's covering it up. He's covering up his sin. And God had to come after him through the prophet. And when... Nathan said, Thou art a man. David fell under heavy conviction. And do you know, we have some of the most beloved psalms. Psalm 51, if you want to read a psalm of David when he confessed his sin. Psalm 51, Psalm 32. The psalm we referred to earlier are two psalms that came out of David confessing his sin when he stopped burying it and pretending like everything was okay. So these are the strategies people use. Some hide and blame like Adam and Eve. Some lie and complain like Cain. Some bury and pretend like David. And just the last one we'll, we'll consider briefly is, is Jonah. Now go to the book of Jonah, please, chapter 1. In the book of Jonah, God calls Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh. Jonah goes in the opposite direction and gets on a ship. And the funny thing is, is God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. There was no ship to get on to go to Nineveh. Ship was inland. (laughs) So Jonah goes to the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea and he takes a ship in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. So here's a man, and it says it three times at least in the text. If you look in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, what does it say there? It says, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from what? From the presence of the Lord. So he was fleeing away from God. He was running. This was Jonah's strategy. I'm just going to, I'm going to hot foot it out of here. I'm going to get away from God. Bye, God! (laughs) And he's running from God. From the presence of the Lord. Oh, a ship! Oh, right in the will of God for me right in the non-will of God in reality. And he goes down into the ship and when he falls into a deep, it doesn't say just to sleep, but it says he fell into a deep sleep. He was fast asleep in verse 5. Fast asleep. Jonah in his deep sleep. So spiritually he was sleeping. He was running from the presence of the Lord. Do you have your track shoes on? Are you running from God? There are a lot of people who come even to this neighborhood. I'm sure there are. People even raised up in Christian homes. But they want to live a different kind of way that's not acceptable maybe in their Christian home. So they come here to blend in, to run, spiritually go to sleep try to bury and pretend everything's okay, lie and complain, hide and blame. But whoso covereth his sins shall not prosper. And you know what Jesus, he had something to say about this also. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. So if you live covering your sin, is it going to stay covered forever? No, it's going to be uncovered before the Lord on the judgment day. Too late. And it will be uncovered to your shame. Many, many times, and we see this in politics, we see this in, with famous people sometimes, but we don't, we, we don't read about all of the heartaches of just the normal folk like you and me, people who tried to cover their sin, committed adultery, tried to cover it up, I mean, we see it when it happens to some megastar or some 
politician, president, or governor, or something like that, and they try to cover something, and then when it gets uncovered, it's too late because they were denying it, and now it's uncovered to their shame, right? That's what happens in life. But even worse, if you try to live your whole life covering up your sin, and then you stand before God, and God just uncovers it all, and it's too late. Because once you die, it's too late to repent. You've got to believe in Jesus now. So there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. So in covering up your sin, ultimately, they'll be uncovered. Now why do, again, people do this? You know, one book I was reading, he was talking about how we, we have such a love of ourselves. And we have such a fantasy image of ourselves. And we think of ourselves in such a way, and we don't want to tarnish that, and so we just kind of push everything down, and we're not honest with ourselves, because we're, we're in love with the fantasy image of ourselves that we have created, and we refuse to escape our dreamland. So come out of your dreamland, and let's be honest with God. It says we're naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. We have to deal with God. We have to deal with our sin. So, some will cover their sin, but now some confess their sin. And this is what we need to do. So let's talk about this. It says, Whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So let's talk about confessing sin for a moment. And this is actually a huge topic, and I don't want to scare you, but I could talk for the next two hours about it, but I won't. But that's how much I wish I could say. So how do we confess our sin? We have to confess our sins by uncovering our sins directly to who? Directly to God. How? With what spirit? In humble repentance. Listen to me. This is not a joke. I want you to listen to me. And I'm not saying jokes up here. We're all sinners. And some of you are holding on to your sin. And you need to uncover that sin directly to God in humility. And you need to repent and change your mind toward your sin. So that God will cover them. This is the most important thing that you could ever do. is to go before God in honest humility and say, Lord, You have made me for Yourself. You have made me in Your image. And I ask You to cleanse me because I have sinned against You. And I ask You, I come before You with humility knowing You are good and gracious and loving. And I've been stubborn and rebellious. I change my mind. I repent, Lord. Cover my sin. So, confession is not to be cold. It has to be from the heart. It has to be with humility. We have to see the sinfulness of our sin. We have to see the sinfulness of our sin and then humbly acknowledge that. Confession is accepting full responsibility for our sin. Do you know a lot of modern psychology has come out of this whole matter of people dealing with their guilt? And even Freudian psychology is at a, kind of a start. Freud was an anti-God, hate God-hater. And he said, we've got to, have to figure out how to deal with emotion and how to deal with sin without God. And so basically, that's how Freud's, why Freud started modern-day psychology, one of the founding fathers of modern-day psychology. I don't say all of them have, are following Freud today, but we all know. How many of you know Sigmund Freud? You've, you know the name. But Freud's philosophy or theory was just to blame other people around you. That was one of them. The other thing is, it's, it's not even a sin if you commit adultery. Or if you're a young woman and you want to cut your breasts off, that's what they're doing today. And take, take hormones to make you like into a man. That's not a sin in our society. Beloved, it's a sin. It's a sin. To take the body God gave you and to mutilate it. To say that you know better than God. It's a very, very sad thing. And we're going to see many videos in the days ahead, and I've seen a few of them already, of now 16 or 18 year old girls who have cut off their breasts and are already regretting it. Don't do it. We have to confess our sin. 
Now, can we, I say directly to God. Directly to God. Is that true? Is that biblically true? Okay, there's, we looked at the psalm before. When David confessed his sin, who did he confess his sins to? Directly to God. Think of the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came home, he confessed his sin. He says, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Now, we'll talk about that. He came to his father because he sinned against his father, but his first sin was against who? Against God. Every sin we commit is against God, first of all. So every sin needs to be confessed to God. Jesus even taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Go to Matthew chapter 6. In the Lord's Prayer. And it's important that we, we nail this down fast in the Bible. That we go directly to God. And, can, and, and here's the question. If we go directly to God and confess our sins directly to God, is that enough for us to get complete and total forgiveness of our sin? Yes. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He, he even says here, verse 6, Matthew 6, verse 6, when you pray, enter where? Go where? Go into your closet. And shut the door. Who's in, the, who's in that closet with you? Is there another person that you have to confess? Is there a priest in there? <laughs> no? You, you're going to shut the closet, and you're going to shut the door, and you're going to pray to who? Your Father, which is in secret. It's just you and God. You and God got to do business. You got to do business with God. And so then he says, when you pray, don't use just vain repetitions. Get right to the point. And Jesus taught us to pray. This is the Lord's Prayer. Let's all pray it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So when you go in your closet, you pray, Lord, forgive us, forgive me of my, trans, of my transgressions, of my sins, of my trespasses. You confess your sins. Does He forgive them? Of course. Why would Jesus tell us to pray and confess our sins if the Lord doesn't forgive us. So we've got to go directly to God. And the amazing thing, as I've already said earlier, when we cover our sins, eventually our shame will be uncovered. But when we uncover our sins, our sins will be covered. Blessed is the man, happy is the man who has his sins covered, who has this blessed assurance. Confess your sins to Jesus. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Remember the man they brought down through the roof? And he sold that man. He said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus Christ, God's Son, and God Himself alone have the, author, have, have the authority to forgive us of our sins. So when you go to God directly, He has the authority to forgive you of your sins. Uncover them to God. Thank God we have a forgiving God. He says, I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. God says, I will bury your sin in the deepest sea. I will put your sin far behind my back. I will not bring up your sin to you. I will not remember it when you confess it. So, some confess their sins. Now, to who? Confession must be made to the one you sinned against. And from the one from whom you need forgiveness. So, that's who you confess your sins to. And that's why we've been saying, go directly to God, first of all, because all sin is against God. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. So confession must be made first to God because we need to, we've sinned against Him and we need forgiveness from Him. This is Michelangelo, by the way. And I saw this painting with my own eyes at the Hermitage in St. Petersburg, Russia, when we went to Russia on a missions trip years ago. And Michael, I couldn't believe I was looking at Michelangelo, the return of the prodigal come home to the Father. And it's an amazing painting. 
Uh, but that's the, the prodigal son coming home to his father. And the son made confession to God. He says, I've sinned against heaven. But then he says, I've sinned against you, father. Okay, so William Tyndale said it this way. Tyndale said, to whom a man trespasses, to him he ought to confess. So confession, listen now, confession should be as wide as to who you sinned against and from whom you need forgiveness. So, if you steal from me, oh, well, I'll say it this way. If I steal from you, I'm a thief. And I, and I come under conviction. And I said, I don't want to cover this up. It's going to embarrass me if I have to go and tell this to the Lord and then go to the person I stole. I mean, this is going to, I, I feel ashamed. But I did it. I need to make it right. I don't want to cover it up and live with that guilt. And so I go to God. I say, God, please forgive me for stealing from my brother. And will the Lord say, I forgive you. That's good. Everything's fine now. He'll forgive me, but now what do I have to do? I have to now go to the one I stole from. And I have to confess, please forgive me. Now, if I steal from this brother right here, I need to go to him and I need to go to God. But I don't need to go to you. I, I, why should I confess it to you if I didn't steal from you? I should go to him and I go to God. So that's what Tyndale is saying here. To whom a man trespasses, to him he ought to confess. That's why the prodigal son went to God and he went to his father and he confessed in that way. So, under that, you do not go to a human priest or to anyone else other than through Jesus Christ who shed His blood for you to get forgiveness from God for what you've done. In other words, if you didn't steal from the priest, you don't have to confess your sins to the priest. Now, if you stole from the priest, you go to the priest and ask the priest to forgive you. But the priest is a man. Now, what does the Catholic Church do with this? Of course, the Roman Catholics see the confession of sin to a priest as one of their sacraments. It's very important in the Catholic system. The Roman Catholics see the priest, and I'm going to be as honest as I possibly know. I do not want to misrepresent. I do not want to speak anything untruthful about what I'm going to say. But I do believe we need to to just clarify this, because we're not Catholics. Many of you maybe have come out of Roman Catholicism. Maybe some of you are still there. I don't know. But we're not Catholics, and I've never gone to a priest to confess my sin. So if I've never gone to a priest to confess my sins, guess what? According to the Catholic Church, I'm still in sin. Now, is that true? I don't believe that's true for a moment. But this is their belief. So I, I needed to actually face up to this and say, well, what, what do they believe about this? Well, they see the priest as a mediator, as a stand-in for Jesus Christ. And they see the priest as one to whom I must go in order to receive forgiveness. Go to John chapter 20, please, and verse 23. Now, if you want to do a, go into your church history a little bit, and we're doing that on Monday nights, but there was a man named Cyprian. He was a bishop in Carthage, Africa, in around 250, A.D. 250, and he wrote that forgiveness of sins can take place only through the priest. Did you hear what I just said? In 250, there were bishops of churches and saying you can only get forgiveness of sins through a priest. This goes back a long way. And, by the way, Cyprian was one of the Early, they, they like to use this word church fathers, but you know, one of those early church leaders who laid a lot of the doctrinal foundation of what became fully the Roman Catholic system or the Roman Catholic Church. He believed, he believed in infant baptism and baptismal regeneration by 250 AD. So these false errors crept into the church very early. And, and you know, and then I thought about this this morning. It's a little deep on what I'm about to say. If you could follow what I'm about to say. Cyprian lived in what empire? Who was ruling the world then? The Roman Empire. Did the Romans have a lot of gods? 
Yes, and who were the leaders of those Roman shrines and temples? They had priests. And those priests in those pagan shrines had a lot of power, going all the way back to Mystery Babylon. That's pretty deep, I won't go too much into that. I'm just saying that Cyprian and the church grew up in the first 300 years in this vast Roman Empire, and there was persecution. And what I actually, what kind of the thought that hit me was, is that the church is always tempted to compromise with the world. And one of the ways the early church compromised with the world was giving too much power to the priest. Because that's what the Roman gods and the, the, the Roman shrines and the Roman pagan religions did, gave a lot of power to the priests. And then I thought, you know, the church is being always tempted to compromise with the world. Compromise about abortion. I said something earlier today that people will get very angry with me about, but I don't believe that a man can get pregnant. Now, people will, they will call me hateful or whatever, but I believe in two genders. I don't believe in 98 genders. We have to stand firm on this. We cannot compromise what God has said in the Bible. And I, I say it in love, but we, we, won't, we won't compromise. But the church is compromising today on all these social issues. And that's what I believe was going on in the first 300 years. And, the, and one of the compromises was is to have a church where the, it's structured with a lot of power to the priest. And the Roman Catholic system to this day gives tremendous power to the priestly office. And based on this one verse that I gave, gave you, really, this is one of the key verses they use to say that Jesus Christ passed over the authority to forgive sins to the priest. So the Roman Catholic, this is what the, the Catholic Church believes, that Jesus Christ has the authority to forgive sins, but then when he went into heaven, he gave that authority to the priests. I totally reject that. No man can forgive my sins. No man can forgive my sins if I did not sin against Him. Does that make sense? But the, the Catholic Church says that that's what happens. Now, in John chapter 20, look at verse 23. Jesus told the disciples there, when He meets with them, and showing His hands and His side, and showing the wounds, His death wounds of love, He says in verse... Well, let me go up to verse 21. As Jesus said to them, peace be unto you. John chapter 20, verse 21. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, I don't say that's an easy verse to fully understand. We could spend a lot of time trying to unpack it. But basically, the Roman Catholic Church took that verse to, to say that a priesthood is a necessity because if, if a man has the power to either forgive or not forgive sins, he has to know what those sins are. So therefore, somebody must come to him and confess those sins, and then the priest decides whether to forgive them or not. So they take this verse and built the priesthood out of it, along with Matthew 16 and Matthew 18, you know, the binding and loosing verses, but this really is the main one. I often ask myself, how did, where's there a priesthood in the New Testament? I mean, of, of a separated from the, from the normal folks. <laughs> I don't see this in the New Testament. They build it out of John chapter 20, verse 23. That's where they get their whole priesthood from. Did you hear what I said? They basically say that the, the priest has the authority to forgive sins. So in order to forgive the sins, the person has to come to him and confess. That's where they get the whole idea of confessional from. So what is that verse saying, though? This verse is the Great Commission passage in John. Jesus says, As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And He's not talking just to the apostles. He's talking to all of us to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And the power to forgive sins is not in a human office. It's in the power of the Gospel. The power to forgive sins is in the power of Jesus Christ's Gospel. And when we preach the Gospel, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have the assurance and the peace of having your sins forgiven. If you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not have your sins forgiven. That's what the Gospel says, not what I say. 
But as a gospel preacher, and you and all of us, we're a kingdom of priests. That's what we believe. We're, a priesthood is not a special class. All of us in Jesus Christ are priests. We can go directly to God and we serve the Lord and we preach the gospel. We preach repentance and forgiveness of sin through His name. So we don't have to go to a priest. We can go straight to Jesus Christ. By the way, so going to a priest, they call it auricular confession. Auricular confession. It's unbiblical, but it's also confusing because... When, the, when you go to a priest and you confess your sins, you, then he tells you to do what they call penance. Have you heard that word penance? Penance is basically some work that you have to do in order to really satisfy the forgiveness and get full atonement for your sins. So that penance could be giving money, it could be doing prayers, it could be doing a rosary, saying our Father prayers, uh, something that you have to do. So... The confession of sin confuses, in our mind, the, the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us of all sins. Then the, then the Catholic goes to the priest, he does that work, confesses his sin, and then he has to do our prayers, uh, he has to give money to the poor, or he has to do some kind of good works added to, to their confession, and so now they're thinking that their works save them. That's not right. Because... The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And I like what somebody said. They said, when God's ear is deaf and His heart is cold and His hands are weak, if God's power is gone and God's grace has run out, He has no more love, God's love is all dried up, then and then you can go to confess your sins to a priest. But I have good news for you. God's ear will never be deaf. His heart will never be cold. His hands will never be weak. His power will never be gone. His grace will never run out. His love will never dry up. Go straight to Jesus Christ and have forgiveness of sins. Because His work on the cross is all sufficient to save us. Okay, I'm going to finish this up real fast. Some confess their sin. What do we confess? Be as specific or detailed as possible. Now, you're not going to remember everything you've done. What if you forget one thing? Just say, God, forgive me, I'm a miserable sinner. Remember the, remember the publican? He just beat his breast. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, so we go to God with just a humble heart. But if you know what you've done, be specific and confess it specifically. That's number three, what? When? When do you confess your sins? As soon as possible. When you know you've sinned, go straight to Jesus Christ wherever you are. Go straight to Him and He will forgive you right then and there. So that's when to do it as soon as possible. And then, how much do you confess? The last thing on to this point, how much do you confess a particular sin? In other words, let's say you lied to your mother or your father. And you really feel badly about that. And so, you say, God, please forgive me for lying to my, my dad. And then you go to your dad and say, Dad, please forgive me for lying to you. And, and if you did it sincerely and humbly, is it forgiven? Yes. But what if you still, I still don't feel forgiven. I still feel guilty about that. What do you do then? Is that, could that happen? Does that happen? Some people say, well, you have to forgive yourself. I, don't, I reject that idea, actually. I don't see, I'm looking for that in the Bible of forgiving yourself. I, I haven't found it. I believe it's a matter of faith that you have to believe that Jesus Christ's blood is sufficient to forgive you. So believe what God has said and rest yourself on what God has said and not your feelings. But if you lied to your dad and you confess it to God and your dad, you don't have to go back to God and say, God, please forgive me. Oh, please forgive me. And the next day, oh, God, please forgive me. Please. You don't have to go back to God over and over and over again all those same sins. Does that make sense? I also want to say this. What if, what if uh, I thought about something about you this week that wasn't savory? I, I said, oh, man, not a person. Whatever. I, I thought something that bad, bad about you. Should I go and confess that? It's just something I thought. I didn't say anything. It wasn't, maybe I had an angry thought towards somebody. But I didn't say anything angry. Should I confess that to you? No. Confess it to God. Now, if I say an angry word to you, 
I'll confess that to you and say, please forgive me for that angry word. I confess my sins this morning. It's Jackie, right? Jackie? <laughs> Sin in the wrong scripture. Please forgive me, brother. So I already asked you to forgive me. I won't ask you again. Okay. <laughs> but we have to believe God. And the last thing is this. All of us will taste the consequences of what we do with our sins. All of us will taste the consequences of what we do with our sins. Go back to our text and then we'll close. It says, Whoso covereth his sins shall not prosper. You will not be successful. Do you want to be successful? Then don't cover up your sins. Confess them. And then he says, Whoso confesseth and forsaketh them And by the way, when you truly confess with a humble heart, I believe that will give you a heart to truly turn from that sin and become a a new person and to live a new life. Not that you're never going to struggle with it, but you have a heart to forsake that sin and to move out of it. Those who confess their sins find mercy and forsaketh them. Now, look at that word forsake. You see that word forsake in verse 13? In uh, Proverbs 28:13, it says, "But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy." So we need to forsake our sins, because the choice in Proverbs of forsaking is: you either forsake your sin or you forsake God's truth. You'll either forsake your sin or you'll forsake God's pathway of righteousness. Look at verse four, please. Look at verse four. There's that same word, Proverbs 28:4. It says, they that what? Forsake the law, praise the wicked. That's what's going on in our culture today. People have gotten away from God, and now the wicked are being praised. But such as keep the law, contend with them. We'll stand up and fight for truth. We need to be fighters of truth. So we must forsake our sin, so we don't forsake the Word of God. We need His mercy. We need His love. Let us stand. Let us confess. To God, let's stand together as we pray. Confessing our sins, finding mercy, receiving His mercy. Thank you for your kind attention today. You listened very well. I pray that God would use this message as we bow in prayer. I pray that God would use this message now. Lord, use this message to teach us to better confess our sins that we might find your deep love, your compassion in our lives. We want to forsake those sins that have separated us from You, Lord. We want to forsake sin that would bring guilt and shame. We don't want to forsake Your Word. We don't want to forsake Your truth. We don't want to forsake Your law. We don't want to forsake the path of righteousness. We want to follow You, Lord. But I ask you this question, dear friends, today as we're in God's presence. Are there sins that you're committing that you are holding on to and you're refusing to confess? Are there sins that you're committing? You say, I can't give that up. That is my darling. That is my pet. And I don't want to give that sin up. But you know it's a sin. God knows it's a sin in your life. You say, Pastor Matt... I need to confess that sin. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want you to confess it to me. I want you to confess it to God. And then are there sins that you're confessing, but you're like, without, you're confessing it with a flippancy, not with a true repentance, not with a true brokenness. And you're confessing it, but you're saying, I know I'm just going to do it again. Be broken and see the sinfulness of your sin. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. So I say, dear friends, in God's presence, depend on the love and compassion of God our Father, of Jesus Christ our Lord, of the Holy Spirit our Comforter, to give you sincere confession, a real assurance your sins are forgiven and a heart to walk by faith that will show works of love to glorify God and put confession into action 
by loving and living for Jesus Christ. Gracious is the Lord. Our God is merciful. And happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I want to live a life confessing my sins to God as I commit them and walk in that assurance of sins forgiven and to love Him and live by faith. Can I just see your hand? That's your desire? I want to live a life of sincere confession of sins to God? That's your desire? Praise the Lord. It's good to just stand up and say, Yes, Jesus. Say, Thank you, Jesus, for the precious blood You shed on the cross that I can have a full assurance of sins forgiven. You may put your hands down and always remember what Jesus did for you and for all of us. And the pain He bore, the sorrows He bore, the beatings, the bloodlettings, the crown of thorns, the nails in His hands and feet, the, sp- the spear in His side. And remember, it was your sins that caused that in mine to keep us from sin. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for Your love. Is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Matt, today I need Jesus Christ to be my Savior. If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to know how I could go to heaven. Can I just see your hand if there's anyone I could pray for? You say, I'm not sure I would go to heaven if I were die to die today, but today I want to trust Jesus. I believe in Jesus, that He did die on the cross and rose again from the dead, and I believe in Him, and I want Him to be my Savior. Is there anyone like that? Could I pray for you? Just put your hand up. I'll pray for you. So now, Lord, thank you again for this beautiful day. Bless us as we sing and as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.